0: Yep. It's the Jeremy Webisodes podcast. Here we go. All right, we're back. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. It's crazy. Because for for us, it's an entire week. But if you're binge listening to the Jeremy Webisodes podcast on, say, like an international flight, it could have just been like a matter of minutes for you. So it's like time travel. Once again, it's super wild to
1: me. It's wild. It's an eternity for us. (laughs) I look forward to the minute we stop. I look forward to next week to see you with headphones on. I look
0: forward to seeing you, too. And, and And we look forward to seeing you, ladies and gentlemen. Um, in case you've stumbled your way up the wrong direction, you have found yourself at the Jeremy Episodes podcast. I'm Jeremy Webb. I'm joined in the studio by my good friends Ryan Hatch and Joss McGinty. I good like evening. to change it up. Uh, you know, I, you never I, know
1: who's gonna get.
2: I think contractually, Joss gets it, but uh, but I like I, I I applaud
0: that you'll mix it up.
1: Yeah, you've never complained no. when you've gone second. No.
0: And we are in the studio once again. This is, in fact, Webisode 17, recorded Wednesday, November 11th in the year 2020. Is that not right?
2: That is right. Why were you shaking your head no I me? couldn't believe it's November 11th. I know, right?
0: 2020. I know. Again, we're living in the future, man. Just flying through it. Holidays season right around the corner. Crazy. I got my
1: Christmas shopping done.
0: Tell me you don't.
1: No, wait, 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 wait. I don't I even don't. want to go there. No, there, there I don't. No way. I don't. Way.
0: <laughs> I have to say, uh, never fear. The lava lamp is, in fact, burning brightly in the studio as a beacon for all the lost souls in the world. May they find their way home. And tell me you're not one of those people, Joss, that does put the, put their like Christmas tree up like at the day after Halloween. I absolutely hate that.
1: Our Christmas lights go up the day after Halloween. November 1st. Now, the rule of thumb in the neighborhood is you keep them on November 1st, and then you're really not supposed to till the day after Thanksgiving. I think it's super annoying. Um, We
0: are very uh, happy to have a special guest in the studio tonight. Not only is he a a friend of the show, but he is just a good old friend of ours, of everyone in the room. Um, Another buddy of ours that we went to high school with. Have a, a long history with Mr. Chris Baraby. How Ooh, you doing, nice. buddy?
3: Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks Welcome. for being here. In who the fact, hell is Chris Baraby? I've been looking. Can- I, believe, who, I, I who, believe it's Chris Baruby. Who, who canceled tonight?
1: Right.
0: <laughs> right. I thought Chris Baruby was going to be on the show.
3: I've heard of Lisa Baraby, but I've never heard of Chris Baruby. So the,
0: the, the funny thing is, for the first you know several years that i knew this gentleman i knew him as chris barubi but apparently that's not his name all, at all and it's actually chris barby so
2: i, I uh, don't uh, i don't believe i don't subscribe to that newsletter it's chris barubi
0: yeah for me it's chris it's
2: Berube. chris barubi that's it there's but no, coming coming to from
3: it. coming from the guy who actually is said person neither do i <laughs> I am Chris Baru. It
0: kind of like is, is is it's interpretive. Yeah. If you talk to his dad though, mm. it's Mr. Barraby.
3: Bobby.
1: Bobby Barraby. Yep. What um, a so cool they, name is Bobby Barraby. Right. That sounds like a like a shortstop like in the forties. He was a catcher. It does. It's and a, by the way, uh, Mr. <laughs> Barraby uh, Coming the sixties. Hey, how the about a cheers to Happy <laughs> Veterans
3: Day to Bob Baru today? Yeah. yeah. Got a proud. A man. listener.
0: You know, Bob Barraby had one of the greatest jobs during the war of all time. He was a barman. Mm. He ran Fantastic. the officers club. And uh and what I mean, if you if you have to be if
1: you have to be there doing that.
3: Yeah. And he was on the basketball team.
1: Yeah, I'm a fan. Ha, yeah, have you been shot? No, no. Would you like a shot?
3: Have been fouled. Yes, yes.
1: And have I thing, been fouled?
0: And the thing is, I mean, that that's an entire show in and of itself. We yeah, could get pull it, we pull could it get together. Him, him on here and talk all sorts of fantastic stories about being the guy that runs the officers' club uh, during the Vietnam War. And in fact, he ran the one in Cambodia
3: when non we weren't even
0: specific, We weren't even supposed to be in Cambodia. And he, he But he, we had
3: a bar there. Yeah, but
0: we had a bar there that that was run by Bob Barrett. Pretty sweet. So, uh, but that's not at all what Chris is here to talk about tonight.
3: Let's get to the booze and then we'll talk about whatever I'm here about and get back, get, keep it back to the basics.
0: All right. I like what that. What do you, what, uh, what I thought we'd drink tonight? Um, I think we'd get back to bourbon. It's an old favorite on the show. Um, it's something we talk a lot about. Pretty much everything we've, we've had to drink on the show. Not everything, but a very high percentage of the things that we've had to, on the show, are aged in bourbon barrels. Um, and it's my, it's my favorite. You know, it's my go-to. Nice.
1: Go-to? Yeah, if I had go-to. to pick. I would say it is unquestionably your go-to. I mean, I, like, could you even count how many bottles of bourbon this foursome has had over the last 25 years oh, of our life? my goodness. I mean, hmm. bourbon... Uh, I like one Jeremy year. Ryan and I lived together for three years. We probably drank... Two or three bottles in that time?
0: A week? Oh.
1: <laughs> Did I not finish the sentence? Yeah. No. <laughs> I am sorry. I, I, you, when you've known got, someone for so long, you finish their there. sentence.
0: I think, I, I think the mic, cut out, really the mic,
3: cut, out the mic cut out. The mic cut out. The mic cut out. The mic cut out.
0: So we, we've gotten back to bourbon. Um, this is a Widow Jane. Uh, it's won a bunch of awards. Uh, Widow Jane aged 10 years. This is a product from New York. And so, um, I'm going to pop the cork. It's a cork, so we can get a pull. Mm, nice. nice. So, Chris isn't only a uh, a friend of the show. He's a listener of the show. Um, and he is a student of bourbon and whiskey and, and alcohol in general, as a, as a, as a guy that in, enjoys to imbibe and likes to take a, a dram or two from time to time. Um, and he... Uh, is trying to you know expand his knowledge of alcohol and and I hopefully we've been helping you do a little bit of that. By- I've
3: been I've really been enjoying listening. You know I listen on my walks in the morning or in the evening and I I've, I've the 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 amount of information that you shared has been eye opening and just things I've never really thought about. You know I've always just kind of said yeah that sounds like great sure I'll have this or I'll have that but to really understand where um, different. Um, blends or booze or whatever you want to call it come you know where they come from or how they're made and or the the limit limitations that the qualifications if i should say has been has been interesting i've enjoyed it i i tried really hard i think this is where you're headed i tried really hard to um you know impress somebody on halloween with my new found knowledge my wealth of booze
1: information
3: lost a five dollar bet to my neighbor but uh You know, I was close.
1: And so I
0: want to clarify once again, because we are drinking a bourbon, the the bet that he lost was he bet that bourbon had to be made in Kentucky. Hmm. And I want to clarify that it does not have to be made in Kentucky. There's a bunch of rules, stipulations, but one of them is not that it has to be made in Kentucky. It has to be made in the United States, but it can be made in any state. So I'm sorry if we stood no, you no, wrong it was, somehow and you, and you now, lost on that one. I
3: was, what I was thinking about is that it had to be, now is it white oak? It does have to be American aged. It does have to be- American white oak. Uh-huh. Okay. Brand new, new. Yeah. American
0: white oak And barrels. it has Can to it be, be a certain
3: percentage-
0: it has to be fifty-one percent corn mash bill. Yeah.
3: So I knew there were half twos, and I just got the I got yeah. the wrong half.
0: And a lot of people that's a that's a very very common one. People think it like like champagne has to be you know from the Champagne region. Mm-hmm. That that bourbon has to be from Kentucky. I mean, in fact, that's a very 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 mm-hmm. common uh, misconception, but I, it's not the case. I
2: was at a, a place picking up a bottle last week, and someone started talking to me about that, and ranting on about how some place outside of kentucky is calling it bourbon and uh and then but the guy was like so emphatic about it that didn't i was just like i'm not gonna i can
0: try to right it's you know. not worth it but but it, it you know you can get you me know, the fact is that it's that comp, is not the yeah. case so what we got here is widow jane um well, let's give it. I, let's, give it a, let's give it a nose. In fact, I don't have any notes tonight. I, I was. It's. A, I was having a hard time pulling up tasting notes. Um. So we can just give our own impressions and not have to judge them against anything. I don't think there's. There's not even any on the bottle. I'll tell you. It, what, what the proof in this is? What ninety six.
3: It doesn't yeah. smell too. Ninety six proof. It's not too. Burny. It's not so too. I'm raw. getting green there's apple. A
1: little taste of honey. Little smell of honey. Batch two
3: fourteen. Very crisp. Is there a vanilla there? Am I is right? That, is vanilla that is there? Is, very is very always warm. a vanilla?
0: There's usually yeah. always vanilla and cinnamon. It's, yeah. It smells like bourbon. Right. It Smells like bourbon. I, feel, I, so, cheated. It's, I cheated. I <laughs> cheated.
3: I took a sip already. Instead
0: of trying to beat the horse to death, you're saying just drink it and enjoy it. Mm-hmm.
3: I feel. I feel like it's not a very. You know, I've heard you guys mm. talk about some stuff smells alcoholy. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's. I don't, good. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah. Smooth. I, oh boy, I don't. I don't think it's super alcoholy.
0: No. So no, it's okay. Let me tell you a little bit about this. What they're doing is um, they are sourcing barrels that are at least 10 years old Mm. and they're blending. Mm. So they're not, they are also distilling their own product but they are also going out um and sourcing barrels not just from Kentucky but from all over the place doing you know going out ta- doing a lot of tastings and sourcing and then bringing that stuff back and blending and then um each batch is no more than 5 barrels so they they do a 5 barrel blend and um and that's what this product is and no and they're all at least 10 year old barrels
1: did cool. uh, did she become a widow by killing her husband to get this business model.
0: Uh, you know, I mean, I've got, let, let me see what I got on the website here. I mean, when with, you
1: go all in and say you're the widow, mm. there's a story behind that.
0: Well, I will tell you that. Someone's um, left out. Someone's sure. left out. <laughs> One <laughs> of the things that they put on the bottle that I wanted to talk about was limestone water. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And why is limestone water? Why would you put that on a bottle? What's the deal about limestone water? Well, I will tell you that, um, limestone is a natural filtration, uh, uh, yeah medium, and one of the things that it pulls out of water is iron, and iron is something that you don't necessarily want in your fermentation or your distillation because iron has a tendency to make things taste bloody, which is not a taste you want in your product. So limestone Just irons speak blood, for yourself, by the way. Right. So uh, limestone pulls out iron, which is something that you don't want in your final product. And what it adds is calcium and magnesium. And calcium and magnesium bond with carbohydrates to give a really, really smooth mouthfeel. So that's why limestone is something highly sought after by distillers. In fact, in Kentucky... Um, that's what they a lot of them hang their hat on. That's why the whole bourbon industry started in Kentucky is because they have a natural layer of limestone there. Um, and so they' they're all, you know using limestone water. And uh, they were just like a lot of stuff out there, there are people that will tell you that that's all marketing too, and that you know, it's superstition and that limestone, you know, kind of, um, but science is proving more and more that, uh, truly, I mean, there is no refuting that limestone does pull out the iron and does add the calcium and magnesium and, uh, and it tastes good. And we continue to, to like that product. So, um, and the the point I wanted to make was they are getting a lot of their, this, this widow Jane bourbon is getting a lot of their water from mines. It says on the bottle there, Mm -hmm. mines in, in, uh, Hudson Valley, mm-hmm. and one of the mines they're getting the water from is called uh, uh, something Jane, and so that's why they put it on the bottle. Baby Jane, mm. Baby Jane Mine, is one of the mines there. Here's here's something.
1: Did you were you saying something? Or are you just? I was well. Now I have two you questions. But the, the first question is: Do a lot of other bourbons use this technology, if you will? Or, yes,
0: or... bourbon, like I said, in Kentucky. All of their because we've never.
1: I don't think we've mentioned
0: limestone. You're you're right. We haven't talked about limestone really, and that's why I wanted to bring it up tonight. Um, and because they took the time to put it on the bottle, and like we, you know, like we've talked about before, it's all marketing. But limestone is a thing, and uh, to answer your question, Joss, um, you know, Kentucky has prided themselves on the fact that the water that they use is is uh limestone filtered water so what these guys do what what widow jane bourbon is doing is they're getting these these bourbons and they're blending it and then they're proofing it with this local mine Mm -hmm. sourced limestone water and that's their their thing cool little tidbit of history about the hudson valley and and the mines so in 1830 commercial mining and this comes right from the website Widow, widow jane's website in 1830, commercial mining began in New York's Hudson Valley region, and by 1840, Rosendale had 13 cement companies because the mining industry gave rise to the cement industry. They use cement to shore up the the mining well, shafts yeah, and, and the and all the 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 ore
2: that comes out. That's not what you were so it's not the ore, but it's the you know the the throwaway. You know, you make be, that into gravel that goes in your concrete. Right, like you crush it up. And-
0: Exactly. And you're using your own stuff. So um, so within just a matter of years in that area, they're collectively producing 600,000 barrels of cement annually. And by 1891, half the cement used in North America was Rosendale cement coming from that Hudson Valley region and these mines. So um, and, and it was driving the canal industry, water ducts, the railroad, all the you know the yeah. expansion of of the United States. So cool history, and that this was,
1: was a thriving,
2: thriving town right.
0: That, I mean that was the that was Boom cement town, town. USA. USA. <laughs> every every,
2: uh, every town that needs cement, they got a call. Right, it was Rosendale, you wanted, New York. Anytime you wanted to make someone disappear, right? Exactly. Well, yeah. Put them
3: in <laughs> it, Put them in a dam.
0: Seriously, that tie to the New York and the cement yeah. thing—I never really put two and two hey, together. Hey, come over
3: here.
0: Yeah. You put him in some cement Oops. tennis
3: shoes.
1: And let him sleep with the fishes. Can so, I? Can I ask a quick question? Yeah.
3: On this widow Jane here, I'm um, seeing 45 percent. Am I accurate there?
0: Yeah, 45.5. So 91 proof.
3: Not super knowledgeable on that. Where does that range in? Bourbon and strength and, so that, bourbon
0: that, has to be over eighty and under a hundred and twenty.
3: Okay, all right, but okay.
0: for
2: the most part, I mean, we the 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 harsher the ones that are more have more of an alcohol flavor are a hundred, right? You know, and what's
3: that strong well turkey one? One hundred one. One hundred one. Okay, so that's right in the. Right yeah, in the I mean, and there's some that. really what's, 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 really what's high Daniels? like
0: Booker's. Yeah. Um, tends to be real, you know, right, almost right at 120 sometimes. Yeah. Jack Daniels is 86. Okay, so there's your range. No,
3: I appreciate that. Thanks.
0: Um, it's good. I mean, I'm, I'm really liking it. It's super it's smooth. Super smooth. They, so they, know, basically, I, what they're going around is they're finding a bunch of really fantastic bourbon. They're they're uh, they're blending it together, and then they're mixing it with fantastically so, yeah. yummy smooth water. Right. So is
3: this blend? Is this you know? I don't know what the word is. It's a distiller is the distiller. Is that the craftsman himself as a distiller?
0: Well, he's there's the the blender. The blender, yeah. that, which is a which is a craft in and of itself. Yeah. So, from
3: listening to previous shows, the person that's doing the blending is—I mean—it's pretty integral to the to the whole process. Oh, absolutely. It seems like this is a common theme, you know.
0: And it is not necessarily the the distiller. Okay. The yeah. blender it can be it, now.
1: Now it can be, but could it, you be it, the
3: blender and the distiller? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. That's cool.
1: Um, how come I've never heard of this? It's delicious, right? And uh, is it small batch? Is it uh, you know? Where did you find it? It all, is small batch.
0: Sections. You know, I walk into the liquor store and I try. You know, at this point, we've we've had a lot of different things on the show. And I'm just constantly trying to find stuff that I've never heard of. And this this hit a couple, you know, ticked a couple of the, or this checked a couple boxes. It was something I never heard of, and it has won some awards. And I can't, you know, you would think on their website. Oh, here we are, the awards. Gold Outstanding in Bourbon, six years. Uh, double Gold, San Francisco Spirits Competition, which is a very prestigious award. Mm um gold tastings.com best in class world whiskey awards bourbon uh over five years old gold world whiskey awards bourbon over five years double gold great american international spirits competition so it's it's won a lot of awards and yeah it wasn't on my radar but i walked into the liquor store and it had a bunch of blue ribbons and stuff i mean obviously again they were marketing it well whoever was pushing the juice came in and, and decorated the the shelf very nicely yeah it's it's not one that i would
2: say is that uh, it, it does, it's not screaming some uniqueness out at me um
1: so it tastes like a lot of the other, like a Knob Creek or a Maker's Mark or something like that?
2: Well, it's just, I mean, no, it's, it's, very, so it's smooth. very, it's very good. Smooth. It's very smooth, but it's not like, like a lot of the stuff that's more, that's trying to be smaller, more unique. It's um, like, there's one part that's super strong or something. This one's just pretty mellow right. and nice. It's a very drinkable bourbon. Yeah. But it, like, I wouldn't know to pick it out for, for anything. Did like, you mention not... the price on it, Jerry?
0: So this is like a $67 bottle. Okay. So it's not, you know, it's not breaking the bank, but it's not, you know, that the Mellow Corn was 18 bucks. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, after the last show, Coach Baseball uh, bought a bottle of Mellow Corn and he took it to a blind tasting and it came in last place. Wow. Wow. So, but again, it was against a bunch of very nice bourbons.
3: Yeah, because people are bringing and mellow corn is in best. a bourbon. It's yeah. it's
0: in used bourbon barrels, so it's not going to drink like a. F- you nice, You got to imagine smooth. the people
3: that are at this bourbon tasting know what they're know what they're doing. Right, it's probably not just a you know.
1: By the way, how hoity toity is a competition like that? No, Everybody no, thinks no. they have the best palate. They know everything. Yeah. I think
0: no, this wasn't wasn't that. This was just a bunch of dudes. You know, good. Good well, that's in the, different. Sitting around in the and they, they put them in flat exactly. Okay, they, they, well, that's, they all had their own little flat like metal flasks right. and stuff. Well, that's and they way were different. It around, if you're, you're eating
1: sausages, better. the games yeah, exactly. on the background. That's what it was. That's...
0: I mean, it's coach baseball, bro.
1: But I mean, some of those competitions, people are like in ascots. Yeah, they, they, you know what I mean. An like ascot it's crew. not an
3: ascot crew. You hate to see somebody come in last, right?
0: In you own. hate to see someone in an ascot. So there we go the reason we have you here tonight chris isn't you know just to talk about fat male fashion it is uh because i think you know uh as a guy that's known you for a long time i think that your story arc is really interesting and kind of the theme on our show is you come in and we make you sing or we make you tell a joke or we actually find you to be a very interesting person
1: um, so we're going to have go- to come up with a fourth thing.
3: Yeah. no Dancing. <laughs> yeah. Which isn't very good on podcasts. <laughs> Phenomenal dancer, this big Chris. You should
0: see him now, guys. Oh, it's just... I mean, how did rolling. he do that
3: with his legs?
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not going to have a that guest on the oh, podcast. Right.
3: There's
1: mm-hmm. no, like, ballet people coming on here.
0: Yeah. Um. So what Chris does now is he is a financial advisor. Uh, Successful, you know, uh, he's, you know, living the American dream. Um, But that isn't really the trajectory that he was always on. And um, it all starts back to me, the story starts, uh, when you're doing uh, your radio show in college Uh, graduated from from
3: KWVA 88.1 Eugene campus radio
0: Oregon he clearly has a fantastic voice for radio which is another reason it was a
3: great gig a lot of fun
0: it's like I always you know I love having Joss on the show because I always tell Joss he's got a great face for radio right (laughs) but you actually have a really good voice uh, for radio so you're, you're, you're 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 a duck you're a proud duck go ducks you're going to Oregon and you, and your are freshman year. You, you get a radio show and no, you,
3: it was, well, let's wh- clarify the okay. facts here. I, I was going through a period of time in my life where when people, I feel, gosh, I'm one of those people. I was going through a period of time in my life when someone, you know, said, you know, you can only hear it so many times before you either hate it or you embrace it. And all my life, people said you've got a radio voice. You've got a ra- you got a- oh my gosh for radio blah blah blah. And one, I heard it one too many times one day. And so I walked into the campus radio and and um, they asked me to uh, I think it was a hundred or one hundred fifty bands, you know, on call. Write down one hundred fifty bands that you would play just off the top of your head. like, yeah. what would
0: your playlist look? You like? You
3: know, and and I. Yeah, I was at like, I didn't, I'm not a, it's weird as a financial planner. I'm not a numbers guy, but I am a numbers guy. I blew through it. I was at like 200 and I was just getting into like genres that I liked and I got hired. So, and primarily the kind of music you were playing
0: at the time was reggae.
3: Yeah, they didn't have a reggae. It was actually qualified as as a world music, but I uh, specified in Jamaican or reggae. They're, They're in the world. Yeah, they are in the world. It so, was great. It was it was great. As, yeah, no, I think anything. even on
0: on XM Radio, uh, the Jamaican or the uh, the reggae channel is like falls under the heading world music.
3: Yeah. So love to talk about it. It Was a great time in my life.
0: Right. So you're 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 like you know like white boy from South Orange County doing uh, a pretty kind of deep roots show. Yeah. Um, which is awesome. I mean, you're, you're the world music, you know, reggae show it's on a small campus.
3: town. We only had a couple of radio stations,
0: but a lot of, uh, it was, reggae a, strong, fans. It was a
3: strong frequency and the reggae vibe, the vibe and Eugene is pretty strong. So I had a lot of listeners and I was from, um, basically from midnight till two in the morning. So when everyone would get out of shows or bars and go home, wrap up the night, you know, that was the show they listened to. So that was, it was a lot of listeners. So what I want to take
0: out of this whole thing is, you know, reggae is pretty positive music and we're going to continue with your story because that kind of path with reggae continued mm. um, and you've gotten to spend some time with some pretty uh, big names in the reggae music industry. I have. And, um, and I think it's, it's, it's really interesting that maybe some of those tidbits of knowledge that they dropped on you and some of the, the – Maybe some of the rootsy vibes that you gleaned, knowledge that you spent with those guys, um, has led has led you to where you are now and your success now, and and I think that's really interesting because I think a lot of people kind of equate reggae music to um, you know pot smoking and like hippies and and maybe think that it's maybe not so motivating and they don't realize that um, you know the I, I guess the average maybe casual reggae fan, uh, or, or maybe somebody that doesn't even, isn't a reggae fan, doesn't realize that reggae music is extremely powerful and not only motivating, but connected to, uh, a really incredible history.
3: Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I think that a lot of it comes from, you know, reggae comes from a lot of different areas and there's a lot of different genres and so on and so forth but I was always really drawn to the original trench town reggae where it was a message of suffering um, and trying to bring light and positivity out of that you know and find the good in everything and I think that regardless of where you're from or where you come from that finding light and finding positivity um, will never steer you wrong. What
1: age did you start listening to reggae, and when did you realize, like, you know what, like, this is really my jam? Because you can listen to anything at any age, but, like, what age were you in high school?
3: Happy to do it. A, a Shout junior out. Junior high? Like, Shout out. Did, I think it was about seventh or eighth grade, this kid I used to skate with that lived in my neighborhood. His name was David Kowalski, super talented artist. Maybe someday you'll hear this, but uh, he had, I believe it was probably Bob Marley Legend you know yeah. just an old Bob Marley album and he put it on I, remember, I I believe it was Iron Maiden on one side it was a tape Iron Maiden on one side and Bob Marley Legend on the other side That's quite the
0: juxtaposition yeah. but,
3: but when you're a teenager I mean that's perfect you right. know you want the love you want the you want the love and you want the chill and then you also want to skate hard and everyone's screwing you over and you're upset on the other side so um you know that's your that's my answer for you Joss Cool man that's that's yeah.
1: that's interesting because you you liked both sides of the
3: tape. It oh, sounds yeah. like I've always said I'm a I'm Beastie Boys, Bob Marley, and Metallica. Those are my three bands. I mean, I love a million bands, but those are that's my personalities. I should say.
1: Did you make the radio uh, show your own? Like when you started, was it just reggae, or did you develop it into just no over it, it, time? It was. It became like roots
3: rock reggae. When I was when I when I got the time pl- time slot, they asked me what it was going to be, and I I said reggae. And so um, it was really cool. They had umpteen million albums in the studio, um, and I could pick from any of them and play. Um, but I ended up bringing my own personal collection um, to play, so it was really cool. What was
2: it at the time? I mean, was it what? Dat tape or was it? Uh, it was just actual. It was mainly albums?
3: you know. It's amazing when you spin CDs. You learn how long four seconds is. Mm. You know, right. you can run across the studio, grab another CD, open the CD player, put a new CD in, and then I I, I always the one of the reasons other than someone complimenting me on my voice for radio was I always really liked to spin music and play music, and I used to do you know dub tapes with Oprah and. The Beastie Boys, I always loved the Beastie Boys and their sampling and everything. And, uh, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, I have eight mediums I can spin with here. And it was so cool, you know. I can overdub Star Wars over Life Aquatic, you know, do all kinds of stuff.
1: Did you do it all four years?
3: No, I did it for a couple years. Cool. My college uh, story was not a standard one through four. I got in, I went, you know, I bounced around and, transferred in it's fine. I uh I think I did it 2 or 3 years. But I but I hope it opened many 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 doors.
0: Yeah, so that's kind of where I want to take this. So that's not you, you didn't meet these reggae artists and and spend the time with the reggae artists that I'm I'm referring to uh through the radio show. You eventually got into doing security.
3: I was doing that before the radio show. Okay. Yeah.
0: So, so okay so tell me tell, yeah, me tell us about that you're doing security for a thing called Reggae on the River I did What? T- tell me about Reggae on the River what is that and is it still going on
3: I believe it is it's had a some sw- sort of weird thing that's happened where the people that own the land and the people that are throwing the festival have gotten in some argument over money which is unfortunate so there's one that's on the original land and one with the original name, but when I did it, it was on the original land, and it was actually a fundraiser for the Mateo Community Center, which is based out of Garberville, California. They had a fire. It was an old hippie com uh, old, <clears throat> excuse me old hippie community. the The community center burned down, and so they started throwing this reggae festival or world music festival to raise money to rebuild the Mateo Community Center, um, and I got lucky enough to. Start working security there, and over years I worked my way up to being one of the you know main backstage. Um, well, on I mean, stage.
0: I, I gotta say, Chris is a big guy. How, how tall are you?
3: I'm six six.
0: Yeah, he's You know, he's he's not your average Joe. He's a six six. When I
3: did it, I was six six two twenty. Now I'm six six two something. something. Mm. <laughs> so I mean, he's a big guy,
0: and it was that. Thanks for first... dinner, Jer. Yeah.
3: yeah. Was we that your first
0: security gig? Was Reggae on the River? When did you get into uh, doing security
3: for? Uh, you know it's a, it, those days are a little you know there are a lot of good times a lot of fun times and a lot of opportunity there and um i'm not sure if reggae on the river was the very first one but it was it was close there a lot of the people when we used to do festivals um the crews and the leadership and the staff we all we, we worked together at multiple festivals right, that's
0: my point so that's not the only Festival no,
3: I did. I did. Down. I did them in Tahoe. I did them in Reno. I did them in uh, Sierra Nevada. I did them in Truckee. I did them in um, all over the place. So, so let's. I mean, what I want to talk about is like some of these people that you
0: did security for, and that, that you got to rub elbows with. So yeah. maybe some of the people that aren't even still around that are like iconic. A lot of most of them aren't. Which is incredible that you got. You know, I mean, what an amazing experience to to be able to to rub elbows with. You know, members like of Bunny well, like Whaler, what, for instance. Yeah, I mean like, that, that's yeah, a Don pretty Carlos. Yeah. yeah.
3: Well when you when you know as a kid, you know, as a kid growing up, I was from Orange County, you know, we have we have as mentioned previously on the show, we have the coach house. You know. You have the coach house and then you have big venues around here. You know, a lot of other places around the world you have smaller venues where you have these people, these these reggae artists that can come through and, and perform. Um, And so what happened with with me is I ended up doing security at these festivals and then getting to know these artists very quickly because I was, you know, I was a bigger guy and I got, um, I hate to say promoted, but I had the opportunity of doing backstage and then on stage and, you know, and then having crazy events happen where I proved myself on stage. And then they're like, not only you're on stage, then you're going to be in the green room or on the bus or whatever. And um, those are cool things, but. Um, I mean, uh, yeah. for instance, I mean,
0: <clears throat> one of the stories I remember you telling me is one day you're you're, you're I don't want to say babysitting, but you were I did uh, babysit. Uh, Are you uh, talking
3: about Eka Mouse's kid? Yeah. yeah, it's a fun story.
0: So, I mean, he's, you know, he's security. He's like, but he's like VIP security. And so one of one of his jobs one time was to watch Eka Mouse's kid. Like, Eka Mouse is on stage performing and uh, I think his name
3: is Turan Chris he goes. He goes. This of- is the future of Jamaican reggae. How
0: old of a kid was he at the time? Uh,
3: not super good with that, but he was probably between somewhere in seven and ten, maybe in somewhere. But he was. He was a. You know, he was. He, a, he wasn't goes a kid. on stage and, and he like, "Here, walk- like- watch my kid." No he, no, he literally walked up and he's like, "Big Chris, hold my child." And a I was like, child. "And I was like, what's your?" Because I was wearing this. Sh- this is a great story, and hopefully, I don't get too off. But that day, I realized I was hanging out with all these all these people that were like. Musically, people that I looked up to, and I was backstage with all of Throw them. Throw out a and, couple names. No, there's a lot of them. Man. Don uh, Don Carlos, Dude. Lee Perry, Burning Spear, Bunny Whaler Um, did I say Gregory Isaacs, Rocker T, Michael Black? I could just. I mean, it was. But I I had them all sign my shirt. All Izzy vibes. Had them all sign my shirt. And I was wearing my shirt, and then I had Terrans on my shirt. It was pretty sick. Did you have the moment
1: of doing this when you were like, like, do you have like that memory of like, holy shit, like I'm, I'm with the big boys now. I mean, like, yeah, I'm I mean, do- Gregory it, Isaacs, it, Buddy. It, Wailer, these are these big are names. That's like being, huge yeah, names. Yeah,
0: and and he's a kid college-age kid. Yeah, 20 years old. R- sitting in the bus and rubbing elbows with these kids. I mean, f- f- for me at the time, I would have I, I mean, I been so freaked out and starstruck, I, I can't.
1: I want to hear a little bit more about your promotion. Like, how? What, what did you do where these guys were saying, hey, you can do... A to B to C. I haven't Green down. room. Well, I can tell. You did right you take? Now. Did you take anyone down? I mean, did you? I <laughs> want to I'll hear tell about you right
0: it. now, and it's something that we even talked about. Um, if for anyone you know, listeners of the show, and thank you for all you return listeners. We're we're so happy to have you. Um, on the Bonner Rin episode, we talked about Chris and talked about him as being a guy who's kind of really, really. Not only is he a big man. Um, in fact, Bonner was equating him to uh, Michael Clark Duncan. To Michael Clark Duncan as being a big guy. Well, with Michael a Clark big Duncan's dude. a little
3: big.
2: He's bigger.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, R.I.P. I think, I think we're
3: both guilty of being big guys that choked up by soft stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, exactly. That's the point. Is Chris. The I cry watching. I cry right. watching Thirty for Thirty with a big heart. Yeah, right. And so, and I think that that carried
0: along, especially in that community, the reggae community, where it's you know very. Well, tidy, these guys. These guys grew up. In the, a
3: lot of these guys grew up in the ghetto, and are, are they're they're a good judge of character, and not very trusting of the I, yeah, average and, white and, and dude And I would either, say probably. that am I'm, I'm not trying to say that I'm the best person in the world, but. I think I always just kind You're of You're gonna tried, give it I, your best shot. I right? you know, just try to keep fact, it real, you know. I'd yeah.
0: like to kinda of go there. Um, you know, I kinda of just brought it up. Did you experience you know, because let's be honest, Jamaica's history and the history of reggae, I mean it's it was it was rebel music back mm-hmm. in the day and, and um so did you being around that community as a, as a big white guy, did you how was that experience? I mean, what was the the kind of like the lens that that you were viewed through um, on their behalf or, or was it very accepting from like from the beginning? or did you have was is there like a proving ground that you had to go through?
3: Um, I think it's a good question to quote Bonner. Uh, I would say you know well part of being there if you're there all the time it's a you know it's a familiar scene you know a lot of those guys they just don't trust the average joe but if they see you time and time again and then you you find yourself in a situation where you might be um helpful or prevent something that could be ugly once or twice um you, you know it's a tight knit community so you you, you kind of start to get the nudge of, Hey, we should use this guy. Mm. And and maybe that, I don't know if that answers the question, but that's, that's how I, that's how I I just tried to be there every single time that I could. It's like any job, you know, whether it's backstage rig on the river, or it's your new job at, you know, in Irvine or whatever, you you know, show up early and, and stay, stay late and work hard. And you're probably going to, you're probably going to get recognized.
1: Brass tax. What is the worst thing you've seen at a concert? can not tell I won't I no won't then
3: I'll rephrase it
1: when's was the first the time thing? when's the first time you had to like really be a bouncer like you know what I mean like someone was being so drunk and lame and you really had to we like thought somebody get in was there.
3: attacking Apple wis at uh, um, who's a guy from Izzy Vibes we got this rumor that this uh somebody had a machete stashed in a poster tube and they were gonna try to um, stab him on the stage or whatever you do with machete. And, um, we were all, all points bulletin and, uh, you know, never turned out to be anything, but we were all pretty high alert for that, you know? We've had, I mean, we've had gun. I've had, I've had it all. I mean, been, I, did high level security for twenty five years at music festival, So, right. I told Jeremy I wasn't going to tell any of these stories. <laughs> no,
0: I mean, Ryan, but you're bound to deal with some of the worst of humanity when you're in yeah. and the best large... and the best too, right. man. Well, absolutely, absolutely. That's that's the point. I, mean, I want to be...
1: hear what Ryan would do on a high alert when someone they thought had there you a go. Machete Call, Big <laughs> <laughs> Call Big
3: Chris. Call yeah. Big Chris.
1: I would, I would text Chris. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> oh and make sure we had the appropriate people there i don't want to be bothered in the vip room yeah, yeah right yeah
1: <laughs> ryan is painting in the, uh, like at a winnebago like i a like to a mile
2: have live America. reggae music while i paint and i don't want to be bothered in his hemp
3: shorts by a guy <laughs> right, building right. a machete <laughs> so, i i have to I, mean, I have to say you know in all the years that i've done it and i did you know i it's so crazy to think about like twenty plus years, you know, every summer at multiple fest, you know, and really at the end of the day, there has been just a handful, handful, excuse me, um, it's good bourbon, handful of times that things were really sketchy. Yeah, I bet if people most, run, ran up to you, but with we always hands we, we were like we were we were taught we were taught, and we that what's so cool about that group of security is that we maintained through it's going to sound so cheesy, but we were maintained through love and hugs. You know, we don't, we're not, we're not a, we were, we've never been a, like, um, like a retaliatory security. It was always just like talk people down. There was always a reason why it was happening. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think, I think Jeremy's initial question about things that you've learned from your experiences. Um, you know, hostility breeds hostility. And, and if you have somebody that's, hostile there's definitely an opportunity to change their their mind frame and um i think the that's, likelihood
0: you're gonna come in they're just gonna try to top you yeah and then you, it
3: never it never works it's to an try escalation to, it, situation as, like being a big guy i've learned i learned this a long time ago if someone's trying to get gnarly and i come up and i try to say i'm a big guy they're just gonna get gnarlier i'd way rather hug him and tell him a joke and more than likely i can walk him out of the bar or the or the backstage, or whatever. And because they just usually people are just upset and they're having a bad day and they just need someone to care about them. And if if being a backstage security guard means caring about somebody, then I'm all in because actually, we're at a concert to see friends. They, they didn't just happen to show up there, they're there because they want to see this music and maybe they're just having a bad experience, or maybe they, you know, their friend gave them something they shouldn't have, or they're, you know, they found out that their brother passed away, whatever it is. You know, so I think hug, uh, hug it out like where I come from, hugging it out. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So tell us a story about being in the car or the bus or, you know, with with one of these people and and maybe, you know, how they schooled you a little bit on on life. Well, uh... because I I mean, I've heard stories that you were in the I think the limo with uh,
3: with. I watched Scratch
0: with Lee, with no, Lee it Perry? No,
3: it was actually a Nissan Pathfinder. Okay. Yes. You're in a Nissan Nissan Pathfinder limo? I have to say... I mean,
0: Lee Scratch Perry, for those of you who don't know,
3: He's...
0: is the father, grandfather, stepfather, uh, godfather of dub music.
3: Just roots in general.
0: Created a little album called The Black Ark and then burned down the studio he created it in. To grow um, more roots. Just a genius, just a, an absolute reggae genius, and uh, to actually get to spend any time in his like near vicinity is amazing. Much less like one on one in the front of a Nissan Pathfinder.
3: In the front seat, as personal security guard, his personal security guard came up to me and said he wants you to watch him before he goes up on stage. And I had been asking him for an autograph. His security guard said to me, you know, Lee wants you to, you know, kick it with him or whatever. I don't even know what it was. I was just like, oh, my you gosh. You
0: personally requested. I
3: was, I was actually personally respond- Lee, re- responsible for Lee Perry. And he's a little tiny dude. Like, a little, little tiny dude. Like, I, all those reggae guys are little dudes, and I'm 6'6". Six, six he was like a little dude like he was smaller than bunny and whaler and bunny whaler was tiny that's an that's another story i kind of wanted to tell you but so he's like i need to get ready for the show and i'm like okay and i'm like why am i doing this and he's like we go around the back of these tour buses and there's this little gray Neith- nissan pathfinder and he gets in and he lights two joints one for w- one. you and one for him or no just no i don't i him. don't smoke Wow, that's one, great. One is hash, and oh. one is marijuana. Like and this, he, No, he crosses them, and he goes back and forth. And I got to tell you, as a secondhand in a Nissan car, you know, I was...
0: You wanted to roll the window down, but... I did.
3: And he was talking to me in what he called uh, Chicken Scratch, yeah. which is basically like a version of rapping in Jamaican... Do you mean pigeon? No, chicken scratch. Is okay. a, his own language. Nissan. Pathmark. The Pathmark. best
1: hot box car in yeah. America. I don't I think. Mean, I don't I, I got to be
3: honest with you. I don't think had any,
1: a couple
0: hot boxes and a couple <laughs> Nissans
3: in my day. And then you know he did what he did, and he talked to me about you know the birds and the bees, and yeah, well, not mean, in a is, weird way. I
0: mean, there is there is conjecture.
3: I mean, there is a. a, a I was a, hanging out with somebody that I respected dramatically. Or I don't even know if that's the right word musically, but my point is there is
0: conjecture out there. I mean, there's many people that think Lee Perry is like kind of maybe I guess the word I'm looking for is insane.
3: oh, he's definitely insane, but so, in a, but it but they what it, what is the all what is the sentence they say just after that? There's a small uh variation between brilliance and insanity,
0: right. Right. Well, he is. I mean, he's like I, he's I've, definitely I've, he's definitely I've already cr- called him an, a genius. Yeah, he's definitely. Great so that's butt. why I'm so interested. I mean, you're in, this, you're in this Nissan Pathfinder with a man who's both insane and a genius.
3: Tiny with orange hair.
0: Tiny with orange hair. And I want to know. Like, what. And I was
3: like, I was like, oh, my gosh, I love your music. And he was like, he was like, smoking he, two he, joints. Yeah. And he, and he was he, I like I was like a little kid giddy with him. And I was like. I like trying to think of questions to ask him about like old school Jamaica and like what Bob Marley was like on a guitar and blah, 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 blah. And he's like, he's like, just be in the moment. We're about to go on stage and it's going to be really cool. And thank you so much for guarding me and protecting me. And I just thought to myself, just be in the moment, Chris, you know, just be in the moment and be happy that you like been able to, you know, That you got got to get here, you know, not that it's anything super radical, but for me at the time and that in that age of my life, it was pretty cool to be on be with Lee Perry.
0: Like for Joss, it would be like being in a in a Pathfinder or a Nissan Maxima with Pat Benatar. Well,
1: I mean, we can't even start with that. I, I mean that would be the highlight of my life
2: the equivalent like you know a pathfinder with uh, bj honeycut right, right. Um,
1: the, any mash character those, in that's general, what i was going to say
3: some of those yeah, mash guys i mean
1: like like sitting with Alan alda like <laughs> at a del taco drive through would see, be that's, like that's, my like literally my favorite thing that of that would. That, that because is,
0: i got to be honest like i got to ask it joss have you ever heard of Lee Scratch Perry before? I have oh, heard. Yeah. I, yes. And only, because, it, you, I, only I, because you lived with me and we used to play it. Yes. And, and, and like, Chris. And, and, my... and I've known Joss
3: and Chris and, and
1: Don Carlos. Okay. I mean, you know, have, have I heard of it? Do I have any of their, how old are we, records? Uh, uh, albums? albums. <laughs> no. But uh, do I know the name? Yes. But and, and if Reggie <laughs> so comes on, you're not going to
0: turn the channel.
1: Oh no, no! I'm a I'm a huge, uh, uh I'm a, well, a huge, huge fan. I'm, I'm You're a, a huge I'm a, tolerant. I was in your car the other day. I'm a tolerant. The, the reggae to channel, reggae. yeah. I, I have a reggae as one of my uh, serious channels. I love. Uh, he I like mentioned
3: reggae. Don Carlos, and I I'd have to say that you know, of all those experiences,
1: we've been to Don Carlos concert in Anaheim, dude. I think that was the night the huge Don basketball Carl- brawl broke out. Don Carlos. Yeah. Yeah, Don Carlos is great. Do you How about know? you, Hatch? You big reggae work? fan?
2: Yeah, actually, I've been to quite a few concerts. I actually was in Eugene, Oregon, <sighs> and uh, we rolled up. And when I say we, um, I happened to run into Chris in Eugene, Oregon, and uh, we rolled by a couple of bars, and there was some reggae acts on there, and we walked right into the place and saw a great reggae Chris show. Chris basically knows everybody well, which, which, in where was Eugene, that? Oregon. Uh, I don't know where it was. It was in Eugene, but um, it was in Eugene and basically the, like the band saw Chris and he was like, and they just like, I mean, the bouncers just walked us in the door. It was, it It was was pretty pretty cool. It it
3: was a good time, man. When I first, my wife, Christy, I love her to death. One of our first dates, I took her to the coach house and I was telling, it was Don Carlos. And I was like, uh, I'm super good friends with this guy. And she's like, you know, I'm dating her. And yeah. she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, right, you're super, right. you know, like, oh God, Talking Carlos, oh my God, guy, this guy knows all these reggae people, whatever. And I'm like, we go up front and it gets all quiet. And I, and I said, uh, I was like, DC. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, what's up big Chris. He's like acapella young school for his lady. And he wow. sings like one of his great, like one of his greatest tracks of all time to Christie acapella. Acapella, whatever you say it. I mean, it's and, close And enough. she and, and she and she looked at me and she was like, "Whoa, you like, do, know. You, you you are do friend, know him? You are friends with him." That's he did. Cool. He
2: did call you Big Chris from across a room. Yeah. I mean, he, well, he's the
1: one that invented solid. the name Big Chris. But I think you 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 had Don Carlos going before any of us knew Don Carlos.
3: Well, it was original Black Uhuru. Yeah, yeah.
1: And what what year was that? When, Very when first they, reggae show I ever saw, by the way. Black Car-
0: Uhuru, at
3: Michael Rose.
0: Michael Rose, Black Uhuru at uh at the uh House of Blues on Sunset yeah. Boulevard. Give give that uh, I mean I Nineteen ninety six? Ninety
1: six?
3: Yeah. Yeah, I think Michael Rose or not, not to, uh, See I think, I think uh Don Carlos actually is the one that gave me the nickname Big Chris, which is stuck pretty hard. I think you the, were, on the festival scene.
1: I think you were pounding Don Carlos like in your garage.
3: Like pounding like, whoa, whoa, Don Carlos Jesus. isn't a that's not a worm. <laughs> you Bump- mean bumping? Bumping?
1: No. bumping? bumping Don Carlos. pounding Don I was. Carlos. I, I, have, I, I have, didn't say you were pounding Don Carlos. During this
3: escalated political system, I don't want to anyone think that I was pounding Don <laughs> not, Carlos. Do no, no, not, to, not to worry
1: about any of that making it on the air. <laughs> oh, that was no, great. I think you were pounding I did it again. Okay, so Bunny Whaler. I
0: mean, for those of you who don't know, Bunny Whaler was in a little band with a with a, with a guy that you might have heard of named Bob Marley.
3: And that, the Whalers. It was
0: Bob Marley and the Whalers. The Whaling Whalers. <laughs> so tell me the tell me the Bunny Whaler story.
3: Uh, Reggae on the river somewhere. I don't know. In the early two thousands, maybe. Um, I had been, you know, I had been doing the festival for a while and I, you know, I had some access, you know, I, I knew a lot of the, um, entertainers and I just couldn't believe it. Um, Bunny Whaler had performed and he performed this new album called communication, which didn't come over, um, you know, with huge success. And a lot of the people were in the bowl still watching these, um, new acts. And um, my job was to make sure that the merchandise booths were cleaned up and that all the performers were taken care of. And so I walked down to the merch area and there was nobody there except Bunny Whaler. Just standing there. <laughs> just stand like, there. literally just like standing t- there? No, with, a po- like, a poster with his... And, and I still have it. He, you know, he wrote me a nice thing. Was,
0: you don't see Buddy Wheeler, like, buying his yeah. own T-shirt.
3: <laughs> yeah. No, like, getting well, a, he a would, bag of popcorn and, okay. like... Can I get one bu- of
0: the gray
3: yeah. with my name on it? Yeah. yeah. Well, he, it was, you know, it was basically just posters and CDs that he was selling, but... Um, uh, I just walked down there and I had like worked all day and it was hot and it started to cool off. And so I was kind of like feeling pretty good. Cause you're not in that, you know, that hot summer day anymore. And, and I was like, wow, I was like, that's bunny whaler. And so I went to my job first and I said, uh, I said, you know, I said, excuse me, is there anything I can help you with? Um, you need help packing up or whatever. And he was like, <laughs> I'll never pretend to do a fake Jamaican accent, but he basically was like, you know, I need to. I I want to kick it with somebody, like let's hang out. And I was like, my name's Chris, and he's like, hey, he's like, my name's Bunny. That's so rad. How old was he at this point? Like seventy. I couldn't tell. No, I don't think he was that quite that old. But he was yeah you know, probably getting in that range. In he's in his sixties. Yeah. And um, I and I I think I I think I let the cat out of the bag, and I was like Bunny Whaler. <laughs> And he was like, yes, I. And I was like, you know, I said, hey, my name is Chris. You know, a lot of people around here call me Big Chris. I did backstage security for you all day. That was a great set. Everyone really liked it, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, I'd like to get a poster signed and, you know, a CD signed, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and he was like, whatever you want. And I was like, well, do you want to kick it? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> And I just basically, we, we, not to sound weird, but we dimmed the light and he did his little Rastafari, you know, what they do. And we just sat in two chairs together for like an hour and a half, two hours and just talked. And he was totally open with me asking about like the whalers and Bob Marley and traveling in and out of Jamaica and like what reggae is and what one love is and what i and i vibrations is and what just just everything i mean the way they started in like the 70s right i think it was the late 60s but yeah
0: yeah late 60s even amazing yeah and you're talking about this concert i'm just like like, how how am 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 i at the biggest how
3: am i at the biggest reggae festival in the world and everyone's watching Kumbaya play at the main stage that no one's heard of. And I'm sitting in I'm sitting right next to the stage with Bunny Whaler. And no one's there. And I'm just thinking to myself, I don't know if people really know what's hot, dude. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm like, I'm sitting with Bunny Whaler. <laughs> you know? And we we became friends and we talked and I wanted to know you know, he's it was I, 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 you know, I was always curious what Bob was like, you know. And um he was like, He was a little man and I'm like standing next to Bunny Whaler and he's like, I'm six six and he's like five five and he's saying Bob's a little man and then, you know, we just we just rapped and you know, he gave me a bunch of big hugs and he you know, pre COVID obviously. And he's like Well, this is like nineteen ninety five, It's a little bit pre COVID Yeah, what year is it?
0: Hopefully there yeah. will be a post COVID too, you guys. But dude. he
3: just he just was like told about like positing or excuse me um just, you know, spreading positive vibes and not judging a book by its cover and always seeing the bright side of things and making the best out of everything and just ultimately having a positive attitude. And I, you know, you asked me when I, you know, to come on the show today and what, what, you know, what I learned from those experiences. And I would have to say, hands down, you know, whether it's from my teamwork with my other security people or being backstage or, or having the you know experience of a life or being with, you know, crazy celebrities, um, usually they all have this same kind of thing. And that is don't take anything for granted and, you know, appreciate what you have in front of you and, and appreciate the good and, Make the best of whatever scenario. So, I, I, mean, hope, because, I hope that answers your question. Yeah,
0: I mean, arguably, it, you can't come up from any lower than, than the Whalers and Bob came from. No. I mean, they came from, like, literally the streets.
3: Yeah. To... Cold stone is my pillow. Right. <laughs> Didn't I, can, have that in Laguna Niguel, can, as, right. as rough as we had it.
1: Can I ask a, uh, a, a question for people that don't know reggae very much? Like, sure. what's Trenchtown Rock? Like, what's Trenchtown like where's that come? I think from?
3: Jeremy would be better ask that question. But Trenchtown is just a, a um, what's a, what's it called a, t- a tenement town? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Trenchtown is a tenement town, which is a government subsidized community, which is where people of impoverished situations were were living. I mean, it's essentially a ghetto.
1: Chris, who um, and Jeremy too, because you're very well versed in in reggae, like. Who were some of the founders of of the music? And well, like,
0: Bunny Wailer, Bob Marley. Well, I mean, all the, it, it oh. has to
1: go before I, I, B- Bob I, I, Marley. I just it's before the seventies, isn't it? Not really. No no. No, isn't not really. no,
0: no, it's not because really? even Bob Marley. When Bob Marley started, he wasn't a reggae artist. He was a. He, he was, was not a Rasta. He was not. He ska was. A, he, was not a Rastaf-
3: he was not a Rastafarian. A lot of people equate reggae to Rastafarian, but. Bob Marley was not a Rastafari like when he first started out he was a good old Christian and you know that they wanted to rebel because they just they weren't feeling it you know
0: if and, you look and, at a picture of uh, uh Bob Marley's original band they look like a black version of the Beatles yeah they're they're mm-hmm. very
3: clean cut suit yeah See, I don't know Skinny that t-
0: no that's a, that that's that's a I, great I just point, I, I just I, Bob Marley I, I mean Bob Marley and the Whalers cr- did create the genre. No, they, oh, they, 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 didn't, they they didn't alone create it, but they were they were dra- they were drawn
3: to it by by their alienation from their own society and they, you know.
0: I mean that's the thing about it. we could do a, an entire episode on just reggae music and its history and it's tied to Christianity and Judaism and 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 Israel and
3: Egypt and you'd have to tr- have a true Jamaican in right
0: there. right because Which I, mean, I can
3: I can get Don Carlos
0: <laughs> that would be amazing <laughs> uh, unfortunately we got to wind it up guys so um just because I hit stop on the recording doesn't mean we have to stop drinking and we are what? More than halfway through the bottle. You can look around the room and know the ones that we really liked and the ones that we kind of pretended to like. And the Widow Jane is uh It's smooth. It's smooth. It's like what, what, Give me a percentage on the bottle. You uh,
1: said, we're right. at we're at thirty three percent.
0: Thirty three percent. So it's a winner. Uh Chris has been a winner of a of a of a guest. I want you to um if you could Distill, to use a word that we like to use around here, all of the knowledge that you got to glean from the time that you got to spend with these illustrious reggae artists. Just if there's just one, rad,
3: just rad people in general.
0: But if there's right. one phrase or one bit of, uh, you know, uh, knowledge or a suggestion for how to better your life that one of them gave you, is there anything that sticks out?
3: I think it's just a, a combination of phrases. It's very, it's very simple. Um, the rules we all, uh, not rules, I hate rules. I think they should be called moves. Moves that we should all live by. I think that we should always consider the other person's opinion. I think that we should always realize where someone else is coming from. I think we should always try our best to spread kindness spread love, spread joy, and appreciate one another. And at the end of the day, we're all here for a short time. We might as well have a good time. BC out.
0: Nice. So thanks for being here, Chris. This has been awesome. When old friends get together, you know, the, the chemistry is undeniable. Old friends are the
3: best of friends. The
0: old friends are the best of friends. We've all known each other. I mean, as Josh has mentioned, you guys have known each other for 40 years. I've known you since I was 14. I can't do the math on that, but it's a long time. 55 wow. years. You and Ryan, <laughs> though, didn't start off necessarily like on the best
3: foot. Might, maybe the worst of feet you guys yeah. kind of
0: like we like mortal enemies when we first yeah. all started hanging out
3: how how i'm in the same room with him right now yeah. i have no we, idea
2: we came yeah we came to uh you know we had we had a rough start but uh had some you know disagreements and then uh and then after we both went oh i see where you're at you see where i'm at and we've been the best of friends
3: since i like, mean he's
0: walking you into ozo motley, ozo yeah. motley concerts in, in in eugene eugene oregon
3: Yeah, I think we got passes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But it's uh, no, it's it's great. It's it's one of those things where you 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 know, someone as a is a guy who, uh, you know, puts out his best effort. He's always positive. He works his ass off. And then to see him, you know, now where we've all known him forever. And he's got a, you know, an amazing job. He's helping people. He likes what he does. Like, it's a fantastic, like, full circle. I think so. And
0: I think it's amazing. I, I, I've known you for a hell of a long time. Um, and I've gotten to see the story firsthand.
1: Chris, first of all, thank you so much for being here, man. It is so cool as my friend, personal friend of 40 years, and Ryan and Chairs for 30 years. I mean, they barely know you. Yeah. <laughs> right? The I new mean, kid on the block. It's like, Chris and I are playing, like, T-Ball together. 92 Braves. 90 no 82 Braves. Oh, eight, yeah, sorry. 82 83 Braves were our pa- uh our dads were the coaches. Hmm. I mean, pretty cool, man. It's cool to see your evolution of your life. That's why we had you on the show, man. Not just cuz you're our friend, but to see like what you've done with your life from like being like a reggae bouncer to a successful, you know, financial advisor. You know, like well, th- kind of,
2: I think I think what the the overall statement is is that, you know, really Chris and and what you Bonner alluded to and things like that is that at the end of the day he learned some of these things as a bouncer for reggae guys that were positive and just do the best you can for the situation you're in and 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 if you can help someone you help someone uh, moves that from that range through school through everything to financial planning where he gets to. You know, actually, be successful by helping people and 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 talking to people about what they're gonna do, going on. It's a, it's, it just seems like kind of the the path all the way through was you're just doing good for people, you're doing good for yourself. You're putting you're, you're, you're putting, putting somebody out a good vibe. In a better position. You're put, and it and it's not because you know it's it's you're doing the same thing in both occupations. It's kind of you know your life has kind of flowed together, and you're you're all right. Executing on what you I, I have, early I,
3: have on. A, I have a cheesy line that I used to say. I, I, I still say it occasionally, but it was I used to protect people with my body, now I protect them with my brain.
0: And I think that's a great point. Like, the overall arc of the last couple guests is that you take all of your overall life experience, whatever it is, um, be it uh, Bonner's disease, um, and then him like deciding to go m- climb Mount Kilimanjaro completely unprepared. Uh, or, you know, Chris, uh, did I say it wrong? No, no, no. <laughs> oh, I thought you laughed. Well, you said Kilimanjaro, Kilimanjaro
3: gyro. you know, uh, but that's I cool. Know. I well, thought it was Killy. I enjoy it. Killy. Yeah. I thought it was Killy. Only and then, if you've done it.
0: Right, exactly. And then Chris, <laughs> you know, having a very interesting story of kind of, um, and, and we didn't really get to go there tonight, but... Um, during his whole journey, while he was being, you know, a bouncer for these reggae concerts and doing the radio show and all that stuff, he he didn't exactly know what he wanted to be when he grew up. And obviously, he wasn't gonna always be a bouncer, and he wasn't always gonna do security for, you know. He got to really got to, you know, have some great life experiences doing that, and got to meet some great people. And um, I got to manage he, their
3: money, though.
2: He got to know? see. Uh, he got to see through. The various pieces of I'm gonna do what's positive for me and for them, and right. I'm gonna help people through the multiple cycles of their life.
0: Right, and that's my point. You know, he maybe didn't see his life trajectory, um, you know, past the next turn, uh, but he stayed positive all along the way and was able to, you know, glean these life lessons and apply them to get himself to the place that he is now. And um, that's kind of the overall message that I want to take out of this. It was the message, you know, with, with Bonner um, and kind of the overall positive message that we're going for here is that you, you take your life lessons, you take the the hand that you're dealt and, um, and you play it to the best of your ability. And uh, you try to stay positive and you try to treat people the way that you want to be treated. And um, if you do those things, then you're really setting yourself up um, for a, a much greater likelihood of success. And so that's what I want to close with tonight. Thank you both for being here, uh, Joss and Ryan, as always, and Chris, once again, thank you very much for being here. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for being here. And we look forward to seeing you right here next week on the Jeremy Webisodes Podcast.